When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's a new week here on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt out in North Carolina accepting his award as Nebraska Sportscaster of the Year. He'll be out today and tomorrow, but I'm joined here today by the man himself, Will Wilson. You hear him on the morning hookup, you hear him on 96 Kicks, and now you hear him today on Hale Varsity Radio. Big thank you to Will for being here today as we've just had a full week of uh, Husker news, national sporting news, just really no shortage of things that we can talk about here today as uh, we'll have Greg Smith joining us here in about 15 minutes on the show in the next hour. It'll be another Monday with Coach Charlie McBride. That's leading off hour two. Only two guests today, uh, but uh, we're going to get the most out of them as Greg will have uh, some more insight on the commitment of Mav Noonan out of Elkhorn South. And uh, we'll also talk with Charlie about uh, a little bit about Ole Miss winning their first national title in school history. And uh, Coach Bianca, who has won his first national title after 20-plus years at Ole Miss. So I want to talk to Charlie about that feeling of winning your first ever national title. Uh, also, news and notes, Nuruddin Nueli suspended for the year. And we also had my Colorado Avalanche take home Lord Stanley. The Stanley Cup is going to Denver, the Mile High City, after they took down the Tampa Bay Lightning by a score of 2-1 to one last night, as uh, all that will be coming up in the show for you today over the next uh, two or so hours. Remember, you can always give us a call, 402-466-3776. That's 402-466-ESPN. Or for our listeners across the state, give us a call, 800-825-5865. You can send a tweet my way, at Herb Essences for Elijah Herbal, or you can send one out to Will Wilson as well. At Willie on the radio is where you find him. And Will gonna bring you into the conversation here. Uh, how was your weekend? I mean, really just a busy sports weekend with uh, the Stanley Cup, the College World Series. Did you get a chance to get out from in front of your television and uh, and enjoy? <laughs> I mean, some pretty nice weather we had this weekend. Yeah, I did. I did. I played golf yesterday, which was nice, and I even did watch uh, some hockey. And it, I, I got to say, it was because of you, and because we had that bet going on. And well, it looks like I'll be taking you out to the Salt Dogs game one of these nights. Thirsty Thursday. It's got to be. A it's got to be. A th- I think they're at home this Thursday. Okay, and, I you're, believe. and you're drinking hams. That's the rule. Hey, hams is one of the select two dollar tall boys for five. Or I for, thought it was a dollar. No, two dollar tall boys. Okay, no, it has to be hams. A great deal. <laughs> two dollar tall boys is still a great deal. I mean, you're a man yeah. who works behind a bar. How much will a tall boy run you at uh, about, your establishment? Yeah, about three bucks. About three bucks? Okay, that's yeah. not bad. That's not bad. But at most baseball games, are only eight. That's yeah. Uh, that's, that's pretty uh, criminal. That's the that's been the College World Series. Uh, did you hear about the the Omaha natives or just people from here in Nebraska that were up in the uh, the outfield seats of the College World Series yesterday and they were complaining to security? 
because every time Ole Miss scored a run or something good happened, people were throwing beer, beer showering in the outfield, which is a, a well, staple of Ole Miss baseball. Exactly. I've, I've mentioned it on this show before. I've been down to Ole Miss games. Every home run, there's a beer shower, and whenever the tensions are heightened in a College World Series game, maybe you'll just <laughs> have a beer shower for a run, for a nice play, a strikeout, whatever. Uh, but the Omaha natives were complaining, saying they're getting all wet out in the outfield, and the <laughs> all these <laughs> Ole Miss fans are trying to talk to security, say like, no, we, we bought these beers for $8. We can do whatever we want with them. Well, and it's, it's, it's their game, right? I mean, their team is playing. Omaha, they don't have a team playing they're just there to be entertained so i don't think you can get mad at at uh, old miss i'm sure we'd be doing the same thing if uh you know nebraska was there winning so yeah but quiet down omahans a great championship series though all around i was expecting to go three old miss gets it done in just two games and an uh, insane comeback in the bottom half of the eighth inning mm-hmm. we'll get to the college world series here uh, in about half an hour after we talk with greg smith but i want to start this off with the big news of the weekend and that comes from Nuruddin Nuweli, who has uh, been declared ineligible for the 2023 season and uh, this is huge Nuruddin was pretty much uh, the most dependable member of this offensive line that you could uh, you could see last year uh, last year excuse me aside from mm-hmm. Cam Jurgens Nuruddin was the guy that I think uh, you, you weren't expecting any problems from in 2022 and now he's going to be sitting out for the season he released a statement on Saturday morning just after he finished the uh, the Saturday morning show saying this spring I was informed by the NCAA that due to a failed drug test I am ineligible for the 2022 season I'd like to apologize to my family teammates coaches and Husker fans for my error in judgment it is an honor to be a part of this football program and represent the university and I do not take that responsibility lightly. Thanks to Coach Frost, our athletic and university administration, for allowing me to continue to be a part of this program in 2022. I look forward to returning to the field to represent Nebraska in 2023. Go Big Red. Scott Frost also issuing a statement on Saturday saying, We will fully support Nuruddin Nuelli as he continues his academic and athletic career at the University of Nebraska. He's an outstanding young man who made a mistake that will force him to miss the 2022 season and forfeit a year of eligibility. Nuri will be a full participant in practice this fall, and we look forward to him resuming his playing career in 2023. And this is just a huge loss for the university. I'm not going to get into speculation of of uh, anything regarding a positive drug test, but uh, the fact of the matter is Nuri Nueli is not going to be playing in 2022. And considering he said this spring and now we're into summer, I, I was wondering uh, whether or not there's been an appeals process that we've gone through. Uh, but uh, the fact I think that, that already is, happened, I, I believe this has already happened. Okay. If, if they're announcing it as final now, that, that's why I, I got the reading of saying this spring, I was informed by the NCA, which means there's probably been a, a couple months since then of most likely I'd assume uh, closed door appeals processes hmm. and, uh, and trying to overturn this, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm guessing like, I don't know how you get that from that. Cause I feel like he's just saying, I don't know it, either way. Um, we don't have him right now, and uh, that hurts, man. This one hurts. Yeah, this one hurts because this was the guy. I mean, we were talking a couple weeks ago on this show. It feels like every single time I get a show, Schmidty's gone. There, there's some piece of offensive line uh, <laughs> news or notes that that I get to talk about, and uh, I believe that's just a sign from God saying continue talking about offensive line play, Elijah. That people want to hear it, and or you just love talking about offensive line. Could be both, uh, but. Nuruddin was the guy that you had in pen, maybe yep. even Sharpie, 
as a guy that was going to be your starting left guard in 2022. The only other guy that came close to that was Teddy Prohoshka, but as we talked about, that was a little bit up in the air with the knee injury, and it sounds like he's progressing well, but uh, I'll I'll believe it when I see it because you always have these setbacks with knee injuries. Things happen, and uh, I I was waiting for uh, fall camp to get underway before I was going to comfortably put uh, Teddy Prohoshka in as uh, my my sharpied-in left tackle, but Nurudin was a guy, based on his play last season, that I was fully expecting to be the starting left guard in 2022. I think that's oh, what yeah. the expectation was. And really, the, the question marks were at center, right guard, and right tackle. Those are the spots you weren't sure at. But now, really, the entire offensive line is a question mark because Teddy's knee injury, you're not sure. Who's going to step in at left guard now that Nurudin isn't playing? Uh, center sounds like Trent Hickson, but maybe now with Nuradine being out hurt, they're going to have to move him back over to left guard to play there. Uh, what's the impact of Kevin Williams here? Uh, he's a guy who really has a lot of playing experience, albeit at an FCS level, but he's gotten a lot of uh, playing yeah. experience and starting experience at that left guard spot. So is he going to be a player there? Brock Bando is a guy who has played pretty much every position on the line except right. for center. Uh, is he going to factor in here? It really opens up uh, an exciting position battle. Uh, on the inside of that line, but I don't think it's a position battle that Husker fans uh, want or are going to be looking forward to because now it leaves your left guard, your center, your right guard, and your right tackle spot all up for grabs uh, with the chance that that backup uh, race for left tackle um, is going to end up being pretty important too because you don't know what's going to happen the year coming off a knee injury. So the entire offensive line is a question mark, and man, does Coach Royal have his hands full as we approach fall camp. Yeah, and you mentioned Brock Bando. That's probably, I mean, if I were to guess... You know, if there's any guy who could fill into that left guard role, it's probably him, right? Unless you move Williams around and fit someone there. I mean, it's rough. I mean, who you got? You got that freshman uh, who came in, who plays left guard, I think, and I, I can't remember his last name. Lutovsky. Yes, thank okay. you. Okay. You know, he, he I think he's redshirting maybe uh, this year. He redshirted last last season. year. So, I mean, I mean that, that's where we're at right now. Is the, the only true left guard we got on the roster after Nordine is, is this freshman. And, and I think you can put down Kevin Williams as a true left guard as well. He's played there, but he also played tackle yeah. at Northern Colorado. And he's you. never played at this level either. So uh, well, that, They got that, him at right guard. So that, That's the advantage that Latovsky has over Kevin Williams. He actually has played a year at, high, or at this level against some high-level competition, albeit in practice, but... He's got an experience against Division One Big Ten guys under his belt, and that's not something Kevin Williams has. So Latovsky's a good option. Brock Bando's a good option. But none of them stack up based on how they played last season. And obviously a lot can change in one offseason. But based on how he played last season, nobody really uh, held a flame to, to what Nuridi Nueli did in the left guard spot, where he won that job a couple games into the season and never gave it up, really never looked at risk of giving it up. I, I think of maybe one game where he had a, a rough one, and that was uh, Purdue. Uh, he didn't have a great game against Purdue, but really no one on the Husker offense did have a great game God. against Purdue. Um, even Michigan, I think he, perform- he performed admirably against Michigan, which is probably the, the best front seven Nebraska faced all season. So yeah. Nordine was the guy you were going to be counting on, and now it just leaves you with more questions and answers. Well, the good th- the, if there's a good news out of any of this, it's that he can still practice you know, and, and make the team better. Uh, but you know why it's obviously not going to be any meaningful snaps because he's not going to, he can't play, you know, during games. So you got to practice with the guy you're going to use, but you know, he can still practice and he can still develop and, you know, I mean, he's going to be team a, a huge factor on, I believe scout team. Um, yeah, when, yeah. when you look at how young mm-hmm. this defensive line is, how inexperienced it is, you now have a guy that's, um, you would hope is going to be giving his all on scout team every single day to make that defensive line better. And that's something yeah. you don't get much of once you get into the season, you get some one V ones during fall camp, but, 
Uh, once you get sure. into the, in the season, it's, it's scout team guys going up against the starting defense for the most part. You don't want to injure your own guys. But now you have a guy in, in Nuruddin where you can throw him on the scout team for a year and say, go, go give us a look. Go, go represent a Big Ten offensive lineman for a defensive line and, and make us better. So if there is any positive you can take out of it, which there really isn't much There's to take not. out of it, that is the one you could maybe take. And one thing I wanted to bring up, I said this this morning, but, uh, you know, props, you know, I, I think it'd be very hard to do what Nordine did and come out and, and fully admit, like, hey, you know, I failed the drug test. I'm not going to be playing this year. You know, he apologized and everything. I think that's pretty big of him. A lot of guys would not have said anything, um, you know, would have, who knows what they would say. But, you know, I think that was really big of him immature to come out and, and you know, stick it, you know, admit it. I like that. But it's going to be a, it's going to be, a, I'm with you. It's going to be a story to watch, though, as we progress towards fall camp of just the names you could be seeing at both left and right guard. Corcoran, Bando, uh, Williams, Latovsky, uh, Hickson, Ethan Piper. All these guys, I think, have a, a realistic Ethan shot Piper, yeah. of, of being guys that are going to be starting day one at left guard. Hickson's probably the least likely because it sounds like he's made the move over to center well. But yep. those other, I think you have five guys realistically that are, are up or vying for two starting spots at left guard and right guard. And, you know, I'm really intrigued by Latovsky, actually, because you look at his offers. I think Georgia offered him. Uh, Minnesota was after him. A lot of a, a lot of good schools uh, was after this guy. I think Iowa even as well. And, uh, you know, I, I think I think he's, he's an intriguing player. I can't wait to see what he does. And maybe this is the year we see him early. Yeah, if you remember, he was the number 32 interior offensive lineman in the country. Uh, Will, let's uh, take it through the offers here. Uh, 24-7 was maybe taking their offers down. Oh, no, Georgia. Georgia yep. was an offer uh, for him as well as Iowa, Iowa State, Missouri. So Latovsky was a sought-after option. And if he's the guy that, that comes up and, and steps up and is your left guard, I think that means good things for the offensive line in the long term. We'll ask Greg. About, I want to ask Greg about that, about Latovsky and you know how he's progressing right now. Speaking of talking to Greg, uh, we're going to be spending some time here with Greg Smith next segment as uh, Nebraska picked up a commitment over the weekend. We briefly hit on it at the end of the show on Friday as well as a little bit during the Saturday morning show. But the Huskers get a legacy commitment out of three-star, uh, I guess we're going to call him a defensive end, an edge, uh, Maverick Noonan. Uh, so I'm excited to talk with Greg about where he's going to be slotted into the offense. And Greg had a great sit-down. Uh, with Steve Warren, who runs the Warren Academy and has been coaching uh, Mav for a couple of years now. I um, mean, Greg sat down with uh, Steve Warren and, and talked with him about what this commitment means for Nebraska and for uh, Maverick Noonan as well. So we'll get caught up here with Greg. But uh, just to run you down on Maverick Noonan, I know we've uh, talked about him a couple of times. He's listed by 24-7 as the number four player in the state of Nebraska, which according to their rankings, now all the, the different recruiting services yeah. are a little bit different here, but he is the highest rated in-state commitment uh, of this class for Nebraska to date. He was number three. Cade McIntyre jumped over him uh, this summer uh, with his hot recruiting summer. Zane Flores at number two. And the number one is Malachi Coleman, another guy we're going to be talking about here with Greg Smith. But uh, Maverick Noonan kind of reminds me that that mold of, uh, of a Garrett Nelson type edge player, and they're not going to be playing the, the same position at Nebraska, um, but kind of gives me that, that fiery, plays with a, a passion and uh, as an in-state guy where you know where in the end is going to mean a lot more to him than it's going to mean to some other guys. That's that's the read I get off of Maverick Noonan, and I could be wrong there. This is just what I see off of highlight tapes, which 
that's what they are. They're highlights. They're supposed to make a player look good and, and showcase his his top plays. But Maverick Noonan is in the boat picking Nebraska uh, over the likes of Arizona State, Iowa, Iowa State, Kansas. Stanford is another school that's been going uh, pretty hard over Maverick Noonan. Uh, Michigan State, Minnesota, Wisconsin was recruiting him but never ended up offering him. So uh, a good list of offers there for Maverick Noonan. And uh, now we learn over the weekend that Maverick Noonan drove all the way to Lincoln. They made the 45-minute trek down to Memorial Stadium and let the coaches know in person that he is in the boat and Maverick Noonan is going to be a Husker. Yeah, man, that's exciting. I, you know, I was just I'm tired of seeing top talent uh, get away. You know, we've been getting in-state talent, but you look at the top talent, they are leaving the state, and uh, you know it's just it gives me confidence that we can still get these guys, and that people still want to you know kids in Nebraska still want to play for Nebraska. Well, yeah, they're currently six for ten among the top ten in Nebraska uh, this this cycle uh, of getting them to come here. They have everyone from three to ten. Sorry, four to ten. Excuse me now. Okay. So uh, as I said, it left See? Zane Flores and Cade McIntyre, who are going to be Top off talent. Uh, elsewhere. Um, but you still have a. a I mean, it's, I don't want to call it an uphill battle, but you're going to have a tough battle for Malachi Noonan. Or excuse me, Malachi Coleman. <laughs> Here I am uh, screwing up names. I'm sounding like Bill Dolman. My <laughs> oh, watch yeah. it. There's a stray. That was low. But uh, Malachi Coleman is kind of the, the last crown jewel of the state of Nebraska, and we're going to get an update from Greg Smith. Your next segment on Malachi Coleman, uh, where his recruitment stands, and also what the commitment of Maverick Noonan means, as that's coming up here next on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Calling all Storm Chasers fans. A team you never get to see is making their way to Werner Park June 7th through the 12th, and that's the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. It's the first meeting between the two franchises, and there's plenty going on that week. June 9th is the Chasers Community Celebration for Pride Night, presented by PayPal. June 10th is What If Night, where the Storm Chasers will change their name to the Hogs. A little backstory, that was a previous Omaha team and was a potential name change when the franchise was looking to rebrand. It's a battle of pigs versus hogs. You can't have a name change without new jerseys too. Specialty jerseys will be worn that night, and of course, they'll be autographed and auctioned off. Tag your favorite player June 10th and then run it back on the 11th. It's Salute to Corn Night, presented by the Nebraska Corn Board. It's a celebration of all things corn. Corn on the jerseys, corn in the stands. Trust me, this game will be amazing. See you there. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Rolling through a Monday here, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal and Will Wilson filling in for Chris Schmidt today. So we've got a ton to get into. Stanley Cup Finals, College World Series, uh, and more. Fred Hoiberg meeting with the, uh, the media earlier today. That's all coming your way a little bit later on the show today. But before we get to all that, uh, let's talk. The man of the hour, that's uh, Mav Noonan. Uh, we just finished talking about him in the first segment, and I'm excited to get an expert opinion on Mav Noonan. It's Hale Varsity recruiting insider Greg Smith. Find him on Twitter at GregSmithHV. And Greg, uh, it's uh, good to get caught up with you. It, it almost feels like this this Maverick Noonan commitment was a little bit out of nowhere, so we're going to spend a, a few minutes on it, but it feels big in terms of uh, Nebraska locking up the, the in-state class of 2023, correct? 
Yeah, it, it, it was an interesting one, right? Because on one hand, it was the timing of it was out of nowhere, but the the kind of the momentum was there for Mav to pick Nebraska, um, and kind of like Steve Warren outlined in the video I did with him on Hill Varsity YouTube channel this weekend, the momentum was there for Nebraska, um, especially once Maverick canceled that Iowa visit. Um, you knew he wanted to take at least one visit, and he took that visit out to or other visit, and he took that visit out to Stanford, um, and it was a couple of weeks weekends ago, and he enjoyed it. But at the end of Day, Nebraska was home, and so the momentum was there for Nebraska, but the timing, um, especially on a Friday night, uh, caught people maybe a little bit off guard, but you're right, it is a huge deal for Nebraska to continue locking up um, this talented 23 group in state, and he's a huge piece. I think the, I think most, the most important piece um, in this in-state crop just because of the position that he plays. Greg Smith is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Greg, tell us a little bit about how he's going to slot in to this defense. Where does Eric Schneider want him playing? And, I mean, just what, what kind of positional need is there for, for Maverick Noonan within this defense? Yeah, so every every recruiting cycle, I feel like we talk about edge rushers, right, and guys that can set the edge, play the edge, also get after the quarterback. That's always um, the top priority, so much so that you don't even list it when you, when you ask at the beginning of the cycle, what are the top three? We always just say, oh, yeah, edge is, is top. But beyond that, there's, you know, and then we list them off. So it's really important to continue to land those guys, especially when those guys are right in your backyard, um, to, to get them on the team. Now, what Nebraska has told Maverick um, is that they, they see him as kind of a Garrett Nelson type, as the same type of position. So what you see Garrett Nelson doing out there on Saturdays now where he's got his hand in the dirt sometimes, sometimes he's standing up coming off of the edge, but he can play both the run and the pass equally as well. Um, that's what Nebraska wants Maverick Noonan to end up turning into. And if they get that from Maverick, um, then they've got themselves a pretty good football player, right? We're talking to Greg Smith, and, and Greg, uh, the biggest news over the weekend, Norton Newelli announcing he uh, failed a drug test and he's not going to be playing this season. We, uh, the impact on that, talk about that, the O-line, and who do you think could slide over to right guard? Yeah, so that would, that's an interesting one. So one of the things about, you know, what, what, as we lead up to this season in Nebraska, you know, kicking out or starting up fall camp here in, in what, just a month basically, uh, exactly, I think Nebraska starts fall camp, is that the big storyline to me is who's going to play where on the offensive line outside of Teddy Prochaska playing left tackle, right? And I think that with or without this Newelli news, I think that that was going to be the dominant storyline of camp. And now with, the, with that news, um, you've got a little bit more shuffling. Now, it opens up an opportunity for a guy like Henry Lutovsky, who a lot of people inside of the program are really high on still, um, to be able to maybe make his move. Kevin Williams Jr. is another guy um, who was a transfer You know, you know, this December. He can also make a move into that role. Or if Nebraska is going to you know, entertain the idea of moving Turner Corcoran around, um, could he slide into that role if Bryce Benhart couldn't hold down that right tackle spot um, and Turner doesn't end up playing center and Trent Hickson plays center and then maybe you have Brock Bando at that other uh, guard spot. Like there's a number of combinations, but I suspect that that offensive line storyline is going to dominate fall camp this year. So, so basically, Greg, what you're saying there is they could be just about any combination of offensive linemen this year for Nebraska football. 
Yeah, which is both, which is a little scary, right? Like, I'm not going to, like, we can't sugarcoat that. Like, when you're coming off of the year that they had last year with the offensive line, where that was the biggest weakness, maybe of the team outside of special teams, um, that's tough. You you lose, you know, an NFL draft pick at at center, and then now you have all these additional question marks. Oh, by the way, with a a first-year offensive line coach, um, that can be kind of difficult to navigate, but I do think that that, that's the situation that Nebraska finds itself in. Now, the one good thing, though, I will say about that if there's a silver lining this news did not just become available to nebraska over the weekend right like they knew um for a while now that that was the case so i think that they've been trying to prepare uh behind the scenes about this um but it's still going to be a blow and you've got to figure out what's happening with that offensive line one way or the other now greg there's been a lot of cross training uh, among the offensive line for the past couple years uh, under coach Greg Austin, that's been kind of one of the things that they've really been focusing on is a, a guy that can play left tackle is also ready to move over and play left guard or a right guard can be ready to play right tackle when needed. Uh, and that's probably going to help here in this situation. But is that something that coach Ryle is looking to continue both within the, the, the room of, of the offense line and the type of guys he's committing? Does he want guys that can play multiple positions along the offensive line? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't know long-term if that's his plan. I do think he's a, he's essentially forced into doing that this spring, right, with all of the guys um, that they had to get a look at to be able to see what start to see what um, combination of guys they would run out there. And you know during the spring you were missing Corcoran and Prohaska, so you just didn't know um, kind of who else would be able to fill into those roles. I think they tried out a number of different combinations. So I think in the short term they're definitely going to have to continue doing that, and they may benefit from having had that be the philosophy over time here over these last you know handful of years um but maybe rail gets away from it moving forward in the future uh, but for right now he's probably happy that that was the case because he's got a lot of guys that have played different positions at least in practice yeah greg real quick you know henry litovsky you know he redshirted last year freshman right now uh, one of the few you know true guards on the team how do you what have you heard about him is he progressing well i mean is there a chance that we'll see him this year yeah, I think that I think that Henry's in the mix. The thing that you I always hear about him is that he's got a mean streak, um, which is something that you definitely want to hear about your offensive lineman, and that he's got a bright future. We just don't know when that future is going to begin when it comes to actual real playing time. Um, as he was behind some veteran guys last year, but I think that he'll be in the mix um, and at least get a look this fall camp, which will again will, will be one of those interesting storylines because you, if you have a guy step up, um, especially a young guy like that that has a lot of promise, that could go a long way to really helping kind of smooth out your long-term outlook on that offensive line. Greg Smith with us he, with us here, excuse me, on Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Greg, to get back to recruiting briefly, you sat down with, with Steve Warren over the weekend, and uh, that the, the focus of that conversation was Maverick Noonan, but we, we've had the chance to sit down with Steve Warren a couple of times over the past couple of years uh, at his recruiting events and uh, to talk about some of these uh, high-level guys he's been producing out of Omaha. Can you tell us a, a little bit about that conversation uh, with Steve and, and what you gained from that? Yeah, one of the things I think outside of the Maverick Noonan stuff, the thing that really caught my attention that Steve talked about was the guys in the, the prospects in Nebraska and their desire, I guess, to continue to look outside of the state, even though we came together to talk about a kid that picked Nebraska. He said that one of the things, and you, you mentioned how many high-level players he trains out at the Warren Academy, he says that he advises those kids to take uh, take their official visits, to go ahead and look around, and not so much. He goes, you know, he goes, I played with the Huskers. I came here, you know, to be a Husker, and he wants people to, to pick Nebraska ultimately, but at the same time, he wants them to explore their options – 
and he thinks it's great that they're getting those options to be able to explore the country uh, because he's got schools coming in now, as we know, from all over the country to offer Nebraska kids with a different level of exposure uh, between elevated high school play in the state and huddle film. Uh, we've just seen more schools come in on those guys, so it's good that they're getting all of that exposure, uh, but at the end of the day, I think he, like everyone listening, uh, wants those kids to all pick Nebraska and Maverick Noonan did. Yeah, Greg, Maverick Noonan's commitment leaves us with really one high-level athlete in Nebraska that still remains uncommitted. That is uh, Lincoln East's Malachi Coleman. And in, in terms of Nebraska pulling out all the stops, I, I don't feel like I've seen a, a recruitment like this uh, since Thomas Fedoni from a couple years ago. And I remember just about every single week we had Gian back when Fedoni was still uncommitted. We had a, a little Fedoni watch uh, that we had to get uh, updated on. Do you, do you think that's what the, the, the same theme is going to be here this fall with Malachi Coleman? Are we going to start doing a, a, a Coleman watch every single week? I do feel like we're trending in that direction. And there's really, there's only been two of those, really. Like, I feel like the Fedoni thing was a big one. Wandale Robinson, that year uh, that he was kind of being recruited, we got the, the Wandale watch um, each week, right? Mm-hmm. I think that kicked things off. But I do think that we're heading towards Coleman watch. He is still kind of remain steady that he wants to decide in December, um, right, around, right around the early signing period. Um, it'll be interesting to see where he takes those official visits during the fall, because I should note that he did not end up taking another official visit anywhere this summer. So Nebraska was the only one. Obviously, he's down the street, so he can come over to Nebraska this season for a game day at any time without much hassle, right? Um, and so seeing if he pops up for an unofficial will be big as well. Um, and then seeing him dominate on Friday nights, right? I think that, yeah, people are going to be very invested and what's going on over at Lincoln East with the Spartans this year. We're talking to Greg Smith, and you know, a few Big Ten questions I have for you. Looking at Penn State, uh, Franklin was able to bring in a few good quarterbacks, including uh, that Drew Alar. You know, what, what do you think about Franklin uh, being able to get these star-studded quarterbacks at the Penn State? Is this anything new to you? Um, no, it, I, I'm actually surprised that they don't do an even better job with these big-time quarterbacks. As you had kind of Trace McSorley and a couple of other guys um, that have been kind of prolific at Penn State, especially when you have you know the skill position talent that they've had um, at tight end, wide receiver, and really running back too. So I'm, I'm kind of surprised that they don't do even better when it comes to, to recruiting quarterbacks. But they've been on a roll, and there's been a number of teams actually in the Big Ten that are making a nice push here, um, including Nebraska, who continues to steadily get recruits uh, commit as well, but no, I, so James Franklin and Penn State, I think, sh- should be expected to recruit at the level that they are at least this month. Greg, with, with how well Ohio State has recruited and developed quarterbacks, is there anything to quarterbacks realizing, you know what, the Big Ten can be my, my next stop on the way to the NFL? Is there any traction to, to that in terms of players seeing Ohio State and the success they have and thinking, you know what, maybe another Big Ten school could be a good stop for me as well? Maybe. The problem is is that the, the big separator with Ohio State is what you've actually seen over this last these last couple of weeks, which is five star after five star and high four star wide receivers go in there. Like Brian Hartline is on an absolute tear when it comes to bringing in, you know, five star and high four star wide receivers. And so if you're Ohio State, it's an easy sell to get those quarterbacks to come play there because you also know you're gonna have a pretty talented defense to back you up as well. Um so they, they they're unique in that. But I do think if another school 
could get the wide receiver talent to come to their school, that would also really help. Uh, because otherwise, you see it with like when O'Shawn Mathis came to Nebraska as an edge rusher, right? He wanted to come here in part because to prepare him for the NFL to be able to go against NFL type um, offensive linemen. Um, and so, if you could start to get that at the skill positions as well with defensive backs and wide receivers, I think it would help with quarterbacks too. There's a trickle down effect there. Last thought here, Greg, and it's uh, one more thought on Husker recruiting as Nebraska lands in the top eight uh, for Zalens. Heard Mickey Joseph been doing work down in Louisiana on Zalens. Uh, where does Nebraska stand in this recruitment? Top eight is obviously early in the recruiting process in terms of narrowing it down. Where does Nebraska stand? Yeah, so Nebraska had him on campus this June for an official visit. And he's also one of those sneaky Brian Applewhite recruits as well. I want to mention that, too, as Mickey Joseph um, is kind of the natural fit there. And Mickey is definitely involved. But Brian Applewhite um, knows that school uh, quite a bit as well because he's from the same high school as A.J. Allen, the running back assigned with Nebraska um, this past recruiting cycle. So I will say in the, in the top eight, I think Nebraska's in the top half right now. Um, but it feels like right now everybody's chasing LSU. But the question is, is how much? exactly does LSU want him at this point? Are they going to try to slow play him? Or is another team that's really put in the full court press on him, like Nebraska, is going to be able to swoop in there? Uh, but that's going to be a tough pull from LSU if LSU wants him. It's Greg Smith with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Find him on Twitter at GregSmithHV for all your recruiting news and notes. Greg, thanks for uh, the time here this afternoon, and you have yourself a lovely week, all right? Hey, you guys too, man. Have a good week. Calling all soccer fans. Union Omaha is back home after an unbelievable showing in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup round of 16. An upset over Minnesota United? That's our team. So join them when they come home May 28th for Educational Outreach Night. Presented by Bellevue University. The Owls will face Northern Colorado Hailstorm FC. And after a couple of road matches, will come back on June 18th to face Greenville Triumph SC. It's also Pride Night. We'll see you there. This place is set to erupt. The one-two pitch. Off-speed swing into this. He got him. And the last team in is the last team standing. Ole Miss, their first baseball national championship and the first national title in any men's team sport. In school history, Ole Miss wins it 4-2. They sweep the Men's College World Series Championship Series. Hotty toddy, gosh almighty, Ole Miss takes them down in the College World Series Championship Series. Oklahoma, they've been hot all postseason long, but guess what? Ole Miss has been even hotter than that uh, Oklahoma team, and they show it in the championship series. They get a great starting uh, or an outing from their starting pitcher, Elliott, and then timely hitting in the bottom half of the eighth inning. Is in that seventh inning, Oklahoma, two outs, base is empty. They load up the bases, take the lead, and you thought, well, looks like we're going to a game three between Ole Miss and Oklahoma. But then the bottom half of the eighth inning rolls around in Ole Miss. Uh, just turned it on offensively. Their bats got hot at the right time, and they get their first national championship on any of the three major men's sports in school history. And uh, Coach Mike Bianca from Ole Miss also gets his first national title in 20-plus years as the Ole Miss head coach. And, Will, I hopped on this Ole Miss bandwagon a long time ago. I've said it on this show. And uh, I just couldn't be happier that my team won the College World Series. Yeah, you got to be feeling great, man. I guess you're an Ole Miss fan now. I had no idea.
They're my uh, adoptive SEC team. Okay, well that's fair. But uh, yeah, that was cool. Good for them. Uh, you know, did some work to get into the tournament and uh, you know to win it all. That's very impressive. I mean, and uh, Omaha, you you are I think discounting this Ole Miss team just a little bit in terms of what they had to overcome. They were nine and sixteen in SEC play in late April. Yeah, that's. <laughs> Season's over for a lot of teams at that point. Yeah, I mean, when Nebraska was 9-16 in conference play, we all went, well, what's wrong with this Husker baseball team? And Ole Miss, I mean, they were at that point after being ranked number one in the country to start the year. Yeah. And they they turned their season around. Uh, part of that was, uh, uh, who was their, their ace pitcher? Uh, Delusha. Delusha mm-hmm. was a, a reliever who came in and, and filled the Friday night starting role, filled it very well, was their best starter, uh, was the College World Series most valuable player. That's been a, a huge development for that team, but the number 64 team into the field, and they win the College World Series. I mean, just in terms of all-time underdog stories in sports, it doesn't rival that Leicester team that won the Premier League a couple years ago if you're a soccer fan, but it's up there just because of the fact that this team was down and out as of two months ago, and they turn it all the way around and win the College World Series, and you can say what you will about the fact that they were the number one team in the nation. They did not play like the number one team in the nation all year long until they got to postseason play. They turned it on, and they took home the College World Series. It's only the third time in 60 years they've made the College World Series, and it's the first time they've ever uh, left Omaha with the trophy. That's pretty cool, but you know, uh, I don't know, man. Uh, Maybe I'm afraid to admit this and i don't care I, I, I don't know i just wasn't as interested as as i have been the past few years uh this season i don't know why i, I did not watch that much uh and you know maybe i'm just waiting for nebraska uh to get there because you know you and i we have yet to see them play in nebraska we were very little we were little babies uh when they were playing at nebraska up in omaha we haven't seen that yet, uh, and maybe that's what I'm waiting for. But I don't know. I can't. I can't quite get up to watch you know random teams play, and it's, it's a big deal. I know, and maybe I'm just not a big college baseball guy. But uh, I don't know. I just it felt like less juice this year. Now it's a hell of a story with Ole Miss. Now that's fun. That's awesome, and that's you know that's why you play the game. But I don't know. There's something about it. It just didn't really catch me this year. See, this is the first time in a couple of years I haven't made it up for a game, and. Part of that was because of the prices people were trying to sell on the, on, the, on, the, on the resale markets, and I've heard that ticket prices were much more reasonable if you went and found somebody that was selling tickets outside the stadium. I heard it was much better, but do you think part of it is the fact that, I mean, maybe this is just recency bias speaking, but I feel like since COVID, uh, there's been more fans from these teams actually traveling up to Omaha, not just for the championship series, mm-hmm. but all week long. You have very good crowd support, a really good fan support up in the stadium where I mean, did you see a single game today or this year? I'm not talking about the seventh inning of a 17 to nothing game. I'm talking to start the game. Did you ever see a game that like the outfield seats were sparse and there were people few and far between within the stadium? I felt like it was a very well attended World series. Now I'll have to see the, the attendance numbers and uh, they might be a little bit diminished for the fact there wasn't a, a three game college world series championship, but it just looked like a very well attended college world series. And, as a Nebraskan who, like, I go up there just for fun. I don't actually usually have a team uh, that I'm explicitly rooting for. I'm just going up there to watch some quality baseball, sit in the sun, drink some beers, you know. I, I didn't feel drawn to it this year because I'm like, with all the people up there, with how much I'm going to have to pay for a ticket, it seems like more of a hassle than it's actually worth. And maybe that's why the interest is a little lower this yeah, year. And, yeah, I think you're right. The tickets were insane, but it was a hell of a week. Uh, for once, we didn't have any big rain delays, which was nice. Maybe that curse is finally broken. For once, we didn't have like awful heat. You know, the past few days was really nice days for some baseball. So, 
yeah, good week. It's it still shocks me that this is played in Omaha. Like out of all the places, it's it's in Omaha. Well, you know, I feel like there's a lot more national attention around the College World there Series is. than there ever has been. Whenever you see all these stars that make the trek up to Omaha, where you had Kyler Murray uh, just walking around the concourses uh, of the stadium, I have people that r- ran into Kyler Murray at the stadium. Apparently, had a big bodyguard with him at all times. But really, but Kyler Murray just walking around. You had Peyton Manning make it up for a couple games this year, despite the fact that Tennessee wasn't in the field, and he, he's always been a. Uh, uh, or I guess he's always had a soft spot in his, soft spot in his heart for Ole Miss still um, because of the family ties to Ole Miss. But uh, Peyton went up there with without a, a team to root for, really, considering he's a, a volunteers guy. And I think he made it a couple of years ago when Tennessee was in the field. And mm. it seems like he's made that trip every single year since. But you have the Barstool guys that go up there and check out the College World Series. Uh, you have uh, national media people that make the trip to, to Omaha just uh, to go make TikToks and whatnot. But uh, there's there's just, it feels like uh, more hype around the College World Series now than, than there really ever has been. Yeah, and I, it's a good thing. You know, baseball needs it. College baseball needs it. And, uh, you know, it makes us look good here in Nebraska whenever that event goes well. It's a, it's a showcase. It's, yeah. a, it's a showcase for the state of Nebraska. And uh, I feel like every single year Nebraska puts on pretty well uh, from just – the amount of fans that are just Nebraskans that'll go catch a baseball game to uh, what that district around now Charles Schwab Field has become with all, all the bars and all the great events that happen after games in the evenings, um, all the way to I mean the sports books across the river in Council Bluffs, I think have upped the interest in the College World Series too, where now people can make the trip across the river, bet on their favorite team, or even bet on a team they don't care about and make it in for the College World Series. I, I think this is all factors in, in the, the popularity of what we've seen in the College World Series. And it was another great year for Omaha, another great year for the College World Series. And I'm already counting down the days till next year. Maybe I'll actually catch a game next year. But uh, Ole Miss, your 2022 College World Series champions. will wrap up in hour one after this right here on Hale Varsity Radio. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Rolling through a Monday here. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal alongside Will Wilson. You can find us and follow us on Twitter at uh, Herbal Essences for me, Elijah Herbal, as well as at Willie on the radio for Will Wilson. And one more quick note to make about the College World Series is uh, something that people have been following along with on Twitter. This is the Rocco's Jello Shot Challenge. And Will, uh, I assume you've seen this. It's been a, a popular theme on Twitter as uh, the record was absolutely demolished this year. Uh, Mississippi State said it with uh, somewhere around 2,500 shots last year. And uh, Ole Miss went and bought out 18,777 shots. They are your new record holder in the Rocco's Jello Shot Challenge. And uh, a great business idea, to say the least, from Rocco's to be able to, to pit these teams and the competitiveness against each other. And I'm sure it's uh, something that's only going to grow and grow every single year. But 18,000 seems difficult to touch. Someone did the math. Over the course of, let's see, nine days of the College World Series, and it came out to, oh, well, let's just do the math here in front of you from my phone, uh, two thousand shots for Ole Miss a day, and uh, divided by their eleven hours of operation that they uh, they're open for during the College World Series, that comes out to uh, almost two hundred shots an hour that Ole Miss was buying, and a lot of people obviously. Uh, didn't actually buy a, a shot for every single one that they uh, they, they just want to get some numbers up there. So they'll say, oh, we'll buy 500, but I don't actually want the 500 shots. It's more like a donation. Yeah. Um, but still 18,777, uh, meaning that the total uh, for Ole Miss in terms of money was almost 
what, $75,000 that they paid Rockos? That's just one team, right? That's just one team. That's incredible. Yeah, the the the, the Jello Shot Challenge as a whole uh, grossed, I believe, a little over one hundred thirty thousand dollars. Wow, gross! Not not what they're actually taking home, but still. yeah, and uh, you know they're donating some of that to to charity, which is really cool. Uh, that's just really impressive, and they're going to be doing that every single year. It's just going to get bigger. You know, it's gonna. That's that's that's. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the bar would probably be really busy if you and I were up there. We'd probably stop in for a Jello shot. Yeah, I heard from a friend who went and got a Jello shot that it was a good 15, 20 minute wait once you yeah. bought it to be able to get it just because so many other people were buying Jello shots. Before we get out of here this hour, a uh, quick note to bring you sad news here as uh, Omaha legend, uh, one of those guys that was such a, uh, a crucial part of like the South Omaha athletic resurgence of the like ni- 1960s, 1970s, 1950s in there, has passed away. That is Marlon Briscoe, uh, also the first black starting quarterback. Uh, in the Super Bowl era uh, of the NFL. He was a quarterback at Omaha University. This is before they were UNO. They were an NAIA school, which is long before my time. I'm sure some people out there listening I remember this, but set 22 records for Omaha before being drafted into the NFL uh, by the Denver Broncos. And he uh, was drafted to be a defensive back, stepped in and became the first black starting quarterback in NFL history after uh, some injuries in the Broncos quarterback room. Uh, made pro football history against New England in 1968 as he had a 12-yard run. Uh, the first touchdown scored by a black quarterback in the NFL as the Broncos lost that one 20-17. Also spent time with the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins was a part of that uh historic 17-0 season uh, which uh, the Dolphins ran the table won the Super Bowl he was on that team and he's a member of the College Football Hall of Fame we uh, remember Marlon Briscoe today passing away at 76 years old and uh, what a athletic career it was for Marlon Briscoe sad news to report to you today but uh, man what what a legend in the Omaha athletics community uh, Marlon Briscoe, again, 76 years old. That'll do it for hour one of Hail Varsity Radio. When we return, we'll get caught up with the coach himself. It's Charlie McBride after the break. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hail Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hail Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back in, it's Hour 2 of Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal and Will Wilson taking you through this Monday edition as Chris Schmidt off to North Carolina, sitting down with some of the greats. I saw he was at a panel with the great Ernie Johnson 
what? of uh, TNT yesterday. So uh, wow. just a cool experience for Schmidt as he's off accepting his award, his much-deserved award, I should add, for Nebraska Sportscaster of the Year. What a 2021 Schmidt had, and he is uh, enjoying a couple of days off as he accepts that award. But what does not take a day off, what does not take a week off, it's another Monday with Coach Charlie McBride here on Hale Varsity Radio. You know him. You love him. We get another 15 minutes here with Coach. And, uh, Charlie, it's uh, it's been a, a pretty exciting week uh, since uh, we last talked to you. My Avs won the Stanley Cup. Uh, the College World Series was won by Ole Miss, their first national championship among any of their men's sports. It's, it's just been uh, a, a wild week, a, a fun week of sports, uh, despite the fact that we're still a couple months away from Husker football. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It seems like every time I turn the television on, there is a national championship of something going on. It's, I mean, everything from women's sports to men's sports to it was. It really was a, a a wild week. Well, see, now we sit here and it's the NBA is done, the NHL is done, college baseball is done, uh, college softball is done, and, and now we kind of enter the doldrums of summer before uh, the, the the fall <laughs> camp opens up. So I, I want to pose the question to you. I mean, obviously the the coaching job kind of never sleeps year round, but uh, how do you make it through these these summer months? This drag almost it feels like before you make it to fall camp. Well, you you, kind of have to do it in different sections. Um, Normally, we were allowed a three-week vacation, um, and everybody kind of had their turn of walking through the stadium while the the players are working out. So usually you're only able to go for a week, and then you had to come back for a couple of days or something and never worked out. So kind of toward the end, we were work. We worked it out, so we we were able to take the, um, at least a week or two off at at a time, and it was much better because you're getting away from the sport and a little bit and able to relax and not have to sit down and think about what you're going to do this week and next week and how you're going to coach this and that and everything else. Coach Charlie McBride with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, and Coach, we learned. Over the weekend, that Nuruddin Nueli, uh, expected to be the starting left guard for Nebraska this season, uh, suspended for the upcoming season by the NCAA for a positive drug test. And obviously, there, there's never a, a good time for this, but whenever this something like this happens in, in mid-June, and we were talking with Greg about the fact that Nebraska's probably known about this for at least a few weeks, if not a few months, and they can make some contingency <laughs> plans. But uh, I, I want to ask you, if you were to lose a player in, in mid-June like this and have to replace him before the start of fall camp, uh, only about two months out from this season. Uh, what, what kind of position does that put a coach in? Well, I don't know. We, everybody has their own different rules and different ways of doing things. And, you know, as I remembered, our first one was, a, um, you know, a, a uh, they were to go to class and do some certain things. And, uh, of course, their parents were told you know, and things like that. And, um, but it was a kind of a outpatient type of deal. Uh, schooling, uh, I don't know whether they call it schooling or rehab or it depended on too, what kind of, of, of drugs they were doing, messing with and, and things like that, which no, nothing was ever any more than that. that I remember than maybe, uh, 
early it might have been steroids um and then it went on it went to, to maybe some marijuana but you know there wasn't anything that was like you want to jump out of a window for uh, <laughs> but then the next step would be inpatient okay they gave you an inpatient and the next one you're suspended your history basically so the third the third time you're you're gone and if I remember right, and I and I could be corrected on this easily, but in my 23 years there, we had five guys that, that were were released, and and that's and that's how I, you know it might have been might have been lesser, one less or one more, I don't know, but that that's it was pretty menial, um, you know, compared to some places that. that early time especially with the steroid thing uh came you know became pretty popular in at least in the big eight as we looked at it and uh but not it was uh it was after after a while it was it it really really settled down and of course now i think you know you don't know what kind of drugs he was messing with um but i i did notice that he admitted himself to the public that that he is going to miss this senior year or, or whatever uh, the next year. Maybe it's not his senior year because he may get, not have it had a redshirt year or something. So that would that would mean he's doing his redshirt year, really. Right. Uh, so I don't know how that – I don't know all the details. We're talking to Coach Charlie McBride. So along with that, you know, you lose an offensive lineman, you might have to throw someone in that position that hasn't really – played at guard but you know in during your time in in coaching o-line and i know i know you were the oc but i know you look over everything what you know what were the biggest challenges when it came to coaching o-line well uh you know the biggest challenges probably were you know early anyway were to get the players really ready to know what level they're realized i mean they a lot of them know what level they're they have to be at to play this game you know to win and some, some you have to, it's almost a refresher course the first couple of games. And that's why I say that it's so hard to, it's hard on everybody, not both teams, to start with a conference game right off the bat because that could end your season for a lot of teams that are really good teams that turn into be great teams. It means maybe it, you don't get a chance at the playoffs or whatever the case is. So the hardest, the hardest, the hardest thing was to prepare them mentally uh, to get ready to play is you know at top flight speed right again right away. I mean it's it, you know some sometimes everybody keeps talking re, you know practice game. <laughs> I, you know you know you don't well, you don't like those words. You know this is just a this is just a warm up game or something like that. Every game that you play is a game that you're playing for the national championship or you're playing for the conference, whatever your goals are. And so you, you have to really prepare, especially the young guys who have never played before, maybe starting in something, and the older guys kind of have to take over in that case. Usually they, they do a good job with it. The coaches can say a lot of things, but sometimes – players listen to players more than they do coaches 
It's another Monday with Coach Charlie McBride, uh, the uh, coach himself, joining us here on Hale Varsity Radio, as he does just about every single Monday. And, and Coach, with the reduced physicality we've been seeing from fall camp the past couple years, legislated in by the NCAA, where uh, there's limited contact days, only a certain amount of uh, contact you can do uh, throughout a practice and a certain number of practices you can wear full pads, all that. Do you worry uh, about, say, this Husker football team being ready to go come uh, August 27th against Northwestern, just the, the fact that you're going to have a lot of young guys, especially on the defense, uh, that have only yep. had one fall camp and maybe only a couple periods of live tackling during that fall camp. Do you worry uh, about that, or do yep. you think there's enough enough drills you can do, uh, say, with tackling and contact that you can do with a, a reduced amount of contact to get these guys ready? Well, I've talked to a lot of coaches that are out of coaching now, and, and they, they just can't believe that, that, that kids can be physically – ready young people can be ready to play i mean uh football's a contact sport uh people say well um uh you know as you as you know somebody that's out of football and he gets hit for the first time in a pro game or a college game or whatever it is everybody's all oh all shook up and is he okay when he gets up and there's all that kind of stuff? But football players learn how to play the game. I mean, they learn how to play with phys- with the physicality. And teaching linemen, linebackers, and, t- and well, defensive backs, the whole defense, for example, they they can't learn by standing around playing pillow push. And so when a game time comes, you've got game speed, you've got everything else they have to adjust to now. That's, that's the thing. Now we got a bunch of um, people sitting in these glass towers now that think they know the answers, and they don't. And they're hurting the game. They're hurting the kids. They're hurting the game. And if they're not prepared for contact, that even opens up for more injuries. We're talking to Coach Charlie McBride. Coach, one thing I wanted to ask you about, because, you know, Elijah and I, we've been talking a lot about recruiting so far today. You know, back when you were with the team and you were traveling and, and meeting recruits, what was your favorite? Did you did you have, like, a favorite territory? You know, was it because of the food, the scenery, or maybe you just had a lot of success in that area? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I, there's, a, there's a thing about going. I wasn't recruiting the back back to the East Coast, but any time I did have a chance to go out there, you get, you're almost guaranteed that the family's going to invite you there for dinner. And most of the time you had to go out for a walk after dinner because they thought you were still a growing boy. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and they they really they really did they did feed well. And but the thing got it got to a point where they had rules where you couldn't take a, pro, a prospect out. They had they had rule, uh, rules for everything, and they changed yearly. And uh, when we had that big problem down in Southwest Conference, when they when they closed out SMU and everything, everybody got all shook up, and the presidents decided they were making the rules. And that really made it hard for everybody because the the rules they made were all if if you go back and you check them all out, you'll find out that they were all just destroyed or or they were eliminated and changed um and it, it doesn't work that way uh i always said if you make a rule to get 10 assistant coaches in a room together they'll show you how to break it you know they'll figure a way to do it and uh but uh 
it, it's football's a, a, a such a changing game now with all the things that are happening. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't even know what to expect next uh, from from the administration and so forth. It's it's really hard to tell because they're starting to come out with time elements now. And you're uh, you know I've I've heard uh, you can only um, transfer during a certain period of time, and they're they're getting into that kind of stuff. So now you're getting in the nickel dime situations, and you you definitely have to do something because you can't be, it can't be easier for you to change positions than that it is in pro ball. In pro ball, you have to at least honor your contract to some extent. I always thought that if you're a transfer, that the school that got you ought to pay the money back to the school that it cost them to to put them in school. You know, if you got a kid, you say, "Okay, now we got to give so and so back." He, um, Nebraska paid for his education up to his junior year, so we owe him now for that, and that'll stop a lot of stuff <laughs> quick. Talking with Coach Charlie McBride here on a Monday of Hale Varsity Radio, and Coach, last <laughs> thought before we get you out of here: uh, College World Series. Coach Mike Bianco of Ole Miss won his first national title after 20 plus years, I believe 22 years as the head coach wow. of Ole Miss. Uh, he finally made it to the mountaintop. He's had some great teams, but it was uh, this year's team that went through all the the trials and tribulations of being sub 500 in conference play to uh, being the 64 team. Uh, 64th team in the field of uh, the postseason of baseball, and they go on to win the College World Series. Can you just take us through what you think he might be feeling like with, I mean, you winning your first national title, uh, he winning his uh, first national title here, uh, and after 22 years of working for it, what, what do you think he's feeling on, on a day like today? Well, I think, you know, I think he's more, he said it after the game, and I, I what, that I think he's thinking more about how great it is for his players and his seniors that year that they were the ones that were able to put him over the hump. And that's kind of the way we looked at it, too, you know, when we did it. Of course, you know, we, we Coach Osborne had been, you know, maybe ridiculed at times for not winning the national championship or winning the big game or doing that stuff like that. And that kind of went through you know, through the team a little bit. But there wasn't something that the coaches had a meeting about with the players that we have to do this and have to do that. Those things, they they read it in the paper and they knew they knew what was going on. You know, they read the things in the paper that they say about the coaches and so on and so forth. And it is a motivation factor, um, believe it or not, that, you know, when Coach wanted to win his first national championship, it was uh, you know it was something that the players really took under their hats and wanted to do for him. Coach Charlie McBride joining us here on a Monday, and uh, Coach, before we get you out of here, you got any any big plans for your week? Well, I got the whole month. I got my kids coming in and out, and all the grandkids and everybody. And uh, in fact, some of them just showed up. We're going to have about. 10 or 12 of them here tonight. We don't have beds for them all, but so we'll find out where they're going to sleep. <laughs> you know, but <laughs> that's, the way, that's the way it goes around our place anyway. My wife went out and bought one of those blow-up beds today, and I thought, oh, boy, that's great. We have nowhere to put it. <laughs> but, 
But anyway, that's the whole month is pretty much July is, you know, what the 4th of July and so forth has always been big for us. Well, Coach, you enjoy that, and uh, we'll get caught up with you next week, all right? Okay. Thanks for having me. I'll talk to you next week then. Okay. Bye now. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Elijah Herbal and Will Wilson in for Chris Schmidt on a Monday as uh, Chris will return on Wednesday. Got a best of show planned for you tomorrow. I believe it's going to be Will Wilson actually uh, taking you through the show tomorrow. Will, have we confirmed that? Is it going to be you? Yes, it's going to be me. You looking forward to that? Not at all. Watch yourself. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. Yeah, I'm very excited. I'll be out in the uh, the baseball diamond umpiring tomorrow, and uh, Will so kindly has lent himself his services as he'll be taking you through the best of, and we got some uh, good stuff playing in the best of as well. Won't spoil any of it, but uh, you'll see tomorrow as uh, we take you through some of the best interviews uh, that we have had here on Hale Varsity Radio over the past weeks as well as the past years. Uh, we kind of like to combine those two into one show to give you some from a couple years ago, uh, some that you haven't heard in a while and maybe have never heard before as well as some stuff here in recent weeks. That'll be good rewinds for you, or if you, you missed a show over the past couple weeks, maybe you'll catch an interview that you missed. That's all coming your way in a best of Hale Varsity on a Tuesday 4 to 6 tomorrow. Uh, for our listeners both here locally and across the state as uh, that should be good stuff and uh, you'll probably also be able to catch that best of show in podcast form apple Podcasts, spotify google play the hail varsity youtube page really wherever you like to get podcasts uh, you can find the hail varsity podcast and you can catch our uh, individual interviews on espnlincoln.com under the podcast tab and then under hail varsity radio on demand uh, you can catch uh, individual interviews that we conduct. Our interview with Greg Smith, I know, is already up on ESPNLincoln.com. We will have our segment with Charlie McBride uh, up here shortly as well. As uh, you blink, and it's already only 30 minutes left in the show. Uh, and uh, with these last 30 minutes, we're going to start off uh, by getting into some thoughts from Fred Hoiberg. As Fred Hoiberg met with the media earlier today uh, to discuss... This new team he has uh, put together, as well as some thoughts on Bryce McGowan's off to the NBA and uh, what he's learned over the past couple years, I guess, in terms of roster construction, how this team is different. So uh, he met with the media for about 15 minutes this morning. Going to start it off with his thoughts, uh, his reaction to Bryce McGowan's, a second-round draft pick to the Charlotte Hornets. As uh, it sounds like Fred uh, also a little bit surprised that that Bryce did dip into the second round, but he thinks that Charlotte is a good fit for Bryce McGowan's, and he he thinks it's uh it's mutually beneficial in terms of a team Bryce wanted to go to and a team that wanted Bryce. I told Bryce I called him the day before and I said, listen, one thing there's so many I said there's so many things that can happen on draft night that are out of your control, and the important thing is in a couple weeks when you put that uniform on and you're out in Las Vegas you're going to be a professional basketball player and you're going to be playing pro basketball. Uh, so, you know, pretty much the teams that we thought 
had a lot of interest in the first round. Then you see trades happen. Then you see team package their picks and move up and take a different guy. The important thing is for Bryce is I know he's going to a place where they really genuinely like him, and they wouldn't have traded up to get him if that wasn't the case. Um, so, you know, for Bryce, the opportunity to go into an organization where he is valued, uh, where he is liked, he could have gone to a team that had eight picks in the second round, and who knows what would have happened. So, you know, to be in this position, I think, is very important to understand. You know, it's not about where you go. It's a matter of who you go to and how much they value you. Uh, you know, Trey having the opportunity to go to the Clippers and playing for a former Husker in, in Ty Lue. So, you know, that's a great opportunity uh, for him as well. So there's a lot of different routes, uh, you know, to get to ultimately where you want to be. And, uh, you know, I'm excited for the opportunity ahead. So there's uh, Fred Hoiberg's thoughts on Bryce McGowan's ending up with the Charlotte Hornets. More from Coach, Coach Hoiberg, excuse me, as uh, he discussed some of the newcomers uh, that are in to, to fill the shoes of guys like Bryce McGowan's, Trey McGowan's, Alonzo Verge, the guys that left the team last season. Uh, he got into the impact of these newcomers and uh, what they've brought to the team just a, a couple months into summer conditioning. You know, I've been really impressed with, uh, with the new guys. Uh, the thing that I've really noticed when, when you get guys like uh, with uh, Emmanuel, when you get guys like Jawan, uh, when you get guys like Sam that are coming from winning programs and have played uh, in the NCAA tournament, have played postseason basketball, uh, you know, you see the leadership that, they, that comes with that. They've really exceeded my expectations as far as what they've done for the chemistry of this group. And, uh, you know, it's not only in this gym, but these guys are hanging out together. They've been together as a team. Uh, off the court every week. Uh, they're doing a couple team activities together. Um, it's really been a lot of fun to see how this group has come together in a short amount of time. And, you know, they genuinely, genuinely uh, you know, want to be with each other. And, you know, the pickup uh, that they're playing on the weekends, you know, they're coming in and organizing that on their own. Uh, so, yeah, I've, I've just loved everything that this group has shown and, and is all about. And, you know, once we get healthy, fully healthy, you know, I'm really excited about where, where things are and, uh, you know, what's to come. So a bunch of uh, newcomers on this Husker basketball team this year. Will, when you look at these newcomers, these guys that are coming in, you got a list of guys to choose from, Emmanuel Bandamel, yeah. Sam Greasel, Blaze Ketta. Uh, I mean, just a, a ton of guys that could be difference makers in the Big Ten next season. Are there any in particular that you're looking forward to, to seeing as this, this summer and fall progresses? Any guys that are, are really, you think, uh, difference makers in terms of getting this Husker basketball program turned around? Yeah, the, the quick answer for me is, is Sam Greasel. Uh, just because he, he played in Lincoln, he grew up here. Uh, you know, he he grew up watching Nebraska basketball, and I think it's so important to get somebody who is familiar uh, with the team, with with uh, you know the history, and you know who, familiar with the struggles that Nebraska has gone through the past ten how many years. Mm-hmm. You know, so I that's an easy question, but or that's that's the easy answer. Uh, Blaze Ketta is definitely uh, a guy that I'll mention just because it's been so long. Well, it hasn't been long since we've had a, a a big center. Just, you know, a guy that actually pans out, and I think he will, just because you saw what he did at JUCO. The dude was electric. I, I just think it's so important to have a big body in the Big Ten. It's been a long time since we have had a true five that actually does something at Nebraska, and I, I think he's going to do it, and I just can't wait to see him develop and turn into a 
one of the best centers in the Big Ten. I, I think he could be that at some point. Yeah, and, and Coach Hoiberg spoke about Blaze Kedda's impact. We'll get to this here in just a second, saying uh, you can already tell based on the, the small amounts of team period they've gotten to do, uh, the physical presence that he brings down low. We'll get to that in just a second. He also spoke about Sam Greasel, though, saying that Sam Greasel had a labrum in his hip repaired a couple months ago, and he's progressing well. Hasn't been able to have his uh, presence felt on the court, but uh, just through a couple of months with the team, he's already had his, his presence felt even though he can't be on the court uh, as a teammate and as a leader. Well, you can see Sam, like when we're going through our offensive script sessions and when we're doing some live activity, uh, you know, let's take Kale, for example, or Ramel or Jamarcus, the young guys that are coming in. You really challenge your older guys uh, to be a leader and be a sounding board for those players. Uh, when they're off after they get their rep, <clears throat> you see a guy like Sam who can show them the little things and, you know, the little nuances that are involved in the system and the offense. Uh, Sam is watching film right now in the offense and you can already tell he's got a great feel uh, for what we want to get out of it so um, you know it's great to see when you have an older veteran type player and you see the same thing with Emmanuel what he's doing for Jamarcus and Ramel you know kind of those combo uh, type guard positions um, but yeah again the, the leadership that Sam is showing is exactly what we heard about Sam and, and um, you know it's going to pay off our young guys are going to look back on this time and, and know that they were very fortunate to have played with Sam Greasel. So uh, some some good praise there from Coach Hoiberg, despite the fact that Sam Greasel is yet to actually see the court with his teammates. But uh, more here from Coach Hoiberg as he mentioned the fact that with these newcomers combined with uh, some uh, of the guys that have been left behind from from previous rosters, that he's excited for for what this team can be. And and he already likes what he sees from this 2022-2023 Nebraska basketball team. I've liked what I've seen so far. Think about the defense that we're installing right now uh, is it helps to have length. And we have length across the board. When you've got Sam Greasel, who measured 6'7", um, when we did our, our combine testing a couple weeks ago, when you have your lead guard at 6'7", and then you've got length across the board, uh, Jawan Gary you know, is going to be somebody that I think our fans will fall in love with right away because of just his tenacity of going and getting the ball. Um, you know, we've cha- we're changing our offensive rebounding philosophy, and we're going we're to go, we're going to get after it. I think our personnel fits better, uh, you know, with multiple players crashing the offensive glass this year. Blaze has been an absolute physical presence and force uh, when, we've, we've, when we've done our live action. Our guys aren't in the type of shape, obviously, you don't need to be in June. We're trying to slowly build them up uh, with our workloads, uh, but we have a much more physical, uh, much longer team this year and you know it's not just the system we're putting in obviously that's going to help your defense uh you know whatever you're doing but i think with the kind of the philosophies and the the things that we're trying to do to instill and install it the guys are picking it up quickly which is great they're very attentive in the film sessions uh and we're way ahead right now than where we were a year ago and obviously none of this will matter if it doesn't translate to the court come November. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you hear these things about more physical, more length, it sounds like the types of things Husker fans have been like calling for uh, through the entire Fred Hoiberg tenure, saying you can't match up with these teams from the Big Ten based on how this roster is constructed now. And now you have a guy that's a big body, six foot eleven, and Blaze Kedda down low. Uh, pair that with Derek Walker, who was probably the most physical and and tenacious guy on the team last season. You have a, a guard at six foot seven, which uh, kind of reminds me of the, the Delano Banton mold uh, for a point guard who's going to be leading the offense, uh, what he can bring both offensively and defensively. Uh, I know we haven't seen this team on the court yet, but it does sound like, I mean, no coach is going to 
go in front of the media and say, eh, I don't like what I see from my team here. It's going to be another rough year. No one's going to say yeah. that. But uh, it actually sounds like Coach Hoiberg is not just saying, oh, yeah, we, we shoot the ball well. It, it, it's closer to what we want. It, it actually sounds like a team where he has taken some lessons from previous years, some of the lumps that his team has faced and gone, okay, what do I need to succeed? I need more length. I need more physicality. It seems like those are holes they've gone out and filled. Does that mean this is going to be a team that's going to go out and, and really compete for uh, the, the Big Ten? Not necessarily, but I think they're going to be more competitive. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's it's summer conditioning. It's summer workouts. Um, I don't know what kind of drills they're going through, but obviously Hoiberg uh, likes what he sees. And maybe that's uh, our new assistant coach who we got coming in. Uh, Adam Howard, you know, he's a defensive guy, his own defense guy. And maybe that's you know kind of what he uh, that maybe that's how things are changing since he got here. We're seeing more physical basketball. Maybe that's because of him. I'm not sure. Yeah, and both offensively and defensively. Uh, I mean, I feel like you, you saw the progress last year with this Husker basketball team, where that they went through slumps, but especially towards the end of the year, uh, it, it felt like they were more competitive and kind of ex- knew what to expect from the Big Ten. So. Uh, that's kind of my concern is with, with a, a, a roster that's almost completely turning over. Are you still going to have guys that have that veteran leadership to be able to come in and say, this is how you got to play basketball in the Big Ten? Because it felt like Nebraska was starting to get things figured out last season. Now a whole bunch of roster turnover. You go, is this team that's going to struggle in the Big Ten because they don't know it? Or with this veteran leadership, the, the size and length, are they just going to translate better to the Big Ten? And I guess that remains to be seen. But Coach Hoiberg optimistic about what he's seen so far. Well, uh, obviously be uh, excited to follow the progress of this Husker basketball team. But when we return, we're going to talk some Stanley Cup finals. My Avs lifting Lord Stanley last night, taking it back to the Mile High City. We'll talk about that after the break. Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Exciting Monday here on Hail Varsity Radio as uh, we uh, got caught up with Charlie McBride a little bit earlier this hour. Greg Smith last hour, both of those interviews now up on ESPNLincoln.com. We've talked Nebraska basketball. We've talked College World Series. We've talked Husker football. Leaves us one noticeable gap of things that we have not mentioned is that is uh, my Colorado Avalanche. I'm going to say that with pride. My Colorado Avalanche are your 2022 Stanley Cup winners. A 2-1 to victory last night over Tampa Bay as the Avs uh, lift Lord Stanley on visiting ice down in Tampa Bay. Ten seconds now. Four check here from Kale McCarr. It's all the way to the other end of the ice. Four seconds, three seconds, two seconds, one second. It's over. They did it. They did it. The job is done. The Colorado Avalanche are Stanley Cup champions. And they will lift Lord Stanley a mile high. And Tampa Bay is still barking at their their referee. It's over, pal. They're pouring (laughs) off the bench. Colorado has defeated Tampa in six games to claim their third cup. 
Ladies and gentlemen, the cup is coming back to Colorado. So the Avs get it done last night. And, uh, well, you, you briefly mentioned this off the top of the show. You and I had a little friendly wager going on the Stanley Cup Finals. This dates back to a show we did on the Morning Hookup two weeks ago where I wagered and you wagered on a night out for a Salt Dogs game. Speaking of the Salt Dogs, for our local listeners here on ESPN Lincoln, uh, the Salt Dogs have a game coming up. Uh, first of a four-game series against Kane County tonight. First pitch, 7.05. I'll be in here doing the pregame show at 6.35. That's, again, for our local listeners on ESPN Lincoln. If you're listening across the state and you have a soft spot, soft spot in your heart for the Salt Dogs, you can also stream them online, ESPNLincoln.com. But we made a friendly wager on a night out at a Salt Dogs game on a $2 Tall Boy Thursday. A thirsty Thursday on who would win. I said the Avs would win. You said Tampa Bay would win. Whoever lost owed the other a night out. That's right. And uh, I think uh, that officially means I've won it. Yeah, well, I get it. You have won the bet. I will be taking you out to a Salt Dogs game. I'll be buying anything you want all night. And uh, it should be fun, I guess, for you. It'll be fun for you, too. I'll have a good time, but I'll be paying double. It's like we're on a date or something. It's a cheap date, that's true. I'll I'll tell you what, with my connections here, working for the Salt Dogs, (laughs) I'll loan you a media pass. All right. And you can can at least get into the game for free. All right, well, that's good, then. You, you, You buy the beer. I'll get you in for free. That's well, that's the deal we'll make. I'm excited. We'll uh, we'll pick out a Thursday one of these days uh, and, and head out there. No, I was actually watching that game last night, and I just couldn't help but look at Tampa, and they just looked tired. Even in that second period, they just looked dead. And like and I'm just sitting there like, come on. You can't even get it to seven at home. Uh, pretty weak move by the Lightning there. Well, the, the difference, and this comes from a, a full year of watching the Avs, so there is some bias in this take. I can admit that, but the Avs are just such a, a fast and explosive team, probably the fastest in the NHL right now. With how fast they, they get the puck up the ice, how fast they're on you with the forecheck, they make things difficult even for a team uh, that has returned their core off of two consecutive Stanley Cup titles. E- even a team like that that has all the experience in the world, they've played almost a full regular season. Uh, was, I think last night was their 73rd postseason game over the past three seasons, like wow. a, just a, a wealth of postseason experience. Usually those are the, the teams that will gritty up a game and uh, make it a battle whenever you have that team that likes to, to use speed and skill to try to skate around you. You, you can kind of have uh, your physicality is your great le- leveling force. But Colorado, even after skating around them and skating through them and uh, just beating them to, to loose pucks, they still were willing to get physical and willing to get scrappy with this Tampa Bay team. And I think that's the difference from this Colorado team from years past is that uh, they were willing to, to get down and dirty in a series in order to win it. And, and I don't mean that as a slight. That's kind of just how hockey goes. Uh, they're willing to get down and dirty. And uh, you saw that in the Stanley Cup Finals. The Avs get it done in six. And I want to get your take here. You're not a big, co- uh, not a big hockey guy. Right. Uh, it's not your forte. I, I I like hockey. I like hockey a lot more whenever the Avalanche are good. Um, but I, I love getting out to Stars games. Love watching the sport of hockey. What was your takeaway from the Stanley Cup Final, just in terms of hockey uh, from a watchability point? This is the, the first year that the NHL has been back on ESPN, getting uh, a bigger audience, and then the Stanley Cup Finals on ABC. Obviously, that's huge for the game. So, from someone who doesn't watch much hockey, what was your takeaway from the Stanley Cup Final? What would somebody who's watching at home that doesn't watch much hockey think? I thought it was awesome, um, honestly, you know, especially with the storyline about Tampa going for three in a row. That's what I really wanted to see because that you don't see that ever in, in this professional sports in general yeah it's been a long time since we've seen that i think you know the last time the last team that i think about was 
that had the chance to do it was probably Patriots or uh, or the Heat when they had LeBron. I know they went for a three-peat, uh, but it didn't work out. I mean, that that, that alone was a good storyline to follow. But overall, it was a good, I thought it was a good series, especially in this last game. You know, I like it when it gets chippy. Hockey, you know, fighting is legal. So, you know, I always love it when... Uh, you know, it gets kind of chippy, and it did yesterday. You saw that. Uh, you know, you could saw Tampa was getting frustrated. So, I don't know. You know, as a nonchalant hockey fan, I this is the most I've paid attention to playoff hockey, and I enjoy it. And for uh, those of you out there that are listening that are also um, just casual hockey fans, you like the sport, you don't necessarily go out of your way to watch it, remember the name, Kale McCarr. He mm-hmm. won the Conn Smythe Trophy, the postseason's most valuable player uh, last night. This is after winning the uh, Norris Trophy for the league's best defenseman, which he won in a, in a tight vote against Roman Josie. Uh, remember the name, Kale McCarr. Uh, I mean, everyone knows the name Bobby Orr. The great one, Wayne Gretzky, said uh, after the series against Edmonton that in terms of how Kale McCarr impacted the game, how he impacted the series, Wayne Gretzky hadn't seen anyone like it since Bobby Orr. So wow. uh, Kale McCarr, only 23 years old, and really was the difference for the Avalanche all postseason long, all season long, uh, and in the Stanley Cup Finals. So remember the name. Also, one thing I want to bring up, uh, it's like every Avalanche player looks exactly alike. Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Like everyone has ginger hair and a, and a ginger beard. It, I couldn't tell half of them apart. They all look like brothers. But uh, no, I, I, I'm getting to be a hockey fan. I don't really have a team I follow. There's a team I do like. It's probably the Minnesota Wild, just because I have a ton of connections up in Minnesota. But I, 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 I kind of have to be a Sharks fan because I've seen a game there once. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Sharks and Avs have a bit of a rivalry going. You know my buddy Trevor, big, yeah. big Sharks fan. So uh-huh. I, I got to go see a Sharks Avalanche game with him a couple years ago back when the Avs were still only all right. And the Sharks won that game. That was, that was a good time. I, I wouldn't have any objections to you being a Sharks fan. Well, uh, Stan Kroenke is having a really good year. Yeah. O- owner of the Avalanche, Nuggets, uh, Rams, and some lacrosse team who won the championship. This was Arsenal in the Premier League. He owns Arsenal, too. Yeah, so. How well, much Ars- money does this guy have? Just a ton. Kroenke Sports Entertainment. So it's like, it's the dad and his two sons. They all, like, kind of uh, have their own teams, I guess. And Huh. Yeah. Well, he needs money to pay off the city of St. Louis, so I think this is working out for him. <laughs> but yeah, it's he's the first owner uh, in professional sports to win a title uh, in an NFL season and an NHL season. The same, I guess it's not the same. I guess the same calendar year, yeah, because the Super Bowl's in February, and then goes on to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, his team. That's the first time a uh, an American sports owner has ever done that. So, uh, big year for the Cronkies. All I'll say is. Get the Avalanche, get the Nuggets back on TV, please. Uh, <laughs> no one in Colorado and even in Nebraska can even watch them despite the fact the Avs have the best team in the NHL. So that's a shame. Uh, but keep doing what you're doing with Arsenal. They're terrible. We'll love you for that. Tottenham, my team, big Arsenal rival. Love seeing Arsenal down in the dirt. Love watching them fail. So Kroenke, keep the Avs up, keep Arsenal down, and Elijah Herbal will be a happy camper. We'll wrap up a Monday edition of Hale Varsity Radio coming up after the break. We are presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. 
miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring me in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Rolling through a Monday edition of Hail Varsity Radio. It's Elijah Herbal and Will Wilson filling in for Chris Schmidt, who will be back on a Wednesday edition of Hail Varsity tomorrow, a best of. Uh, Will will be back in here running that for us. So many thanks to Will Wilson. Before we get you out of here today, just a reminder that almost 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska are not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash, buckle up. A message brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Transportation Highway Safety Office. And, uh, Will, another thing before we get out of here today, you mentioned last time, or last segment, I should say, uh, the pursuit of the three-peat from Tampa Bay. And uh, just to bring that back to college sports here, three-peat is something that the SEC knows all too well as they, uh, for the first time ever, by a conference, have won the last three college football and men's college baseball national titles, and all three, I should say, uh, all six technically, have been won by different schools. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, If you go back 2020, uh, I guess 2019 because of COVID, Vanderbilt winning the College uh, World Series, 2021 Mississippi State, and 2022 Ole Miss in baseball, and then in college football, LSU, Uh, in 2020, Alabama in 2021, and Georgia in 2022. So that's pretty impressive from the SEC. And uh, I'm not particularly fond of the SEC, but I I can say what they have done uh, to market themselves as the best athletic conference in the world uh, isn't necessarily without merit when you see that. I mean, three straight college football titles, three straight college baseball titles, and uh, do they have one basketball title in that time as well? Ah, man, who would that be? I don't, ugh. I I don't know who that would be. I mean, obviously, some teams have been really good, um, but I can't think of an SEC. Well, last year was Kansas. The year before was Baylor, and then we had COVID. Who won the year before that? It was probably, you know, it's so hard to remember back. Why is it so hard to remember back three years, Elijah? Oh wait, wait. I've looked. I've looked. I've done my research. The last SEC team to win the. Uh, March Madness uh, was back in 2012, Kentucky. Oh. Oh, no, wait, sorry. Is Louisville's SEC or the ACC? Uh, ACC, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's Kentucky in 2012. I should know that. I should know that uh, Louisville's uh, ACC school. Anyway, so uh, not in basketball, but still impressive nonetheless. And did you see the billboards in Omaha last week that the SEC had up? I did not. You know that their tagline, it just means more. The SEC just means more. Uh, They amended it and crossed out more. Uh, and replaced it with four. It just means four because they had four teams in the College World Series with all four logos up on the billboards. That's what the uh, the SEC was running in Omaha last week. It just means four. Pretty cool. Which I thought was was good marketing. And again, as I said, I'm not not a, not a big fan of, of the SEC uh, because I I do believe there's great football and basketball and baseball elsewhere. But uh, the SEC has done well to market themselves as the, the leaders in college sports. And I think that's kind of why they get that reputation as leader in college sports. A, because they go out and win the national titles, and uh, B, because they market themselves as such. Well, enough uh, enough good talk about the SEC for one day. Well, uh, I believe 
It's uh, going to be interesting here in the next couple of years with that reputation to see what kind of TV deals the SEC gets and how that right. uh, trickles down to the Big Ten, who is uh, most likely going to have the second richest contract. And I guess it all depends on uh, the, the leaders of the Big Ten working the, the kind of deal that they need to get. So we'll see about that. But the uh, the SEC currently the king of college athletics. And I don't even think you can question that. That'll do it for us here on a Monday. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with a best of edition from 4 to 6. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. A Huda Media Production.